Welcome to week 26 of podcasting where mundane meets mastery coming to you from the northern hemisphere of the beautiful continent of Europe. I am your host Beryl Aseno Nyamwange. Today the sun continues to shine. Forgive me for the delays in the last two episodes. The flowers are continuing to blossom. The winds have not ceased from blowing. And today, after several months of masking up our faces due to the pandemic, we have been free to walk into the mall without the mask. It almost feels like a huge tumor suddenly fell off from our countenances. Irrespective of the season, let nothing steal our joy. Let nothing suffocate our dreams. Let nothing cover up our true selves. Let nothing breathe a miasma of despair to us when the freshness of hope can never be tainted by any circumstance. I hope that in your quitting journey you find selfless moments to give of your best just like the flowers give freely of their fragrance, even when the sun is harsh upon their tender leaves. I hope your selflessness springs out like the cool breeze of winds, giving refreshment to us as we walk outdoors and let her in through our windows and doors. Selflessness, hey. Come to the arena where the little things are the big things, where everyday living is the best life, where everyday has something worth highlighting, where boredom is taken to the boardroom of the mind and comes out bearing rich thoughts that build hearts' walls. Here we speak potential, inspiration, edification, eat the pie, taste the sweet and savory. In the world of words and growth, here we are becoming. Proverbs 16.23 says, The sweetness of the lips increases learning. Quitting a selfless love. What is selflessness? It is concerned more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own. It is having little or no concern for oneself, especially with regard to fame, position, and money. It is the lack of preoccupation with our own interests, advancements, desires, and attentiveness to those of others. In other words, unselfishness. The very own definition of the term, or rather its spelling, gives us its definition, self and less. Quitting a selfless love, not thinking less of oneself, but thinking of oneself less. There's a difference. In a world of self-propagation, self-achievement, self-appraisal, self-esteem, self, 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 why is selflessness so important? Because the I generation that we're living in may cause us to wane down on compassion. Because focusing on self can make us begin to mark ourselves as the standard for others. Because self is deceitful. Jeremiah says the human heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? We can be so wrong in our wrongness we don't even realize we're not right. The love of self is dangerous because it looks inward. Thus, correction from others, admonition from other quarters begin to become repulsive. Yet that may be what we need at that particular moment in our life's journey. Selflessness. Does it mean we abandon ourselves? Not necessarily. I think it is a call to be realistic about who we are. The masks we wear, the joys we share. The tears we shed, the anxieties we harbor, the perplexities we hide, and the prospects we are currently nurturing, the hopes we are feeding, the fears we allow, the lessons we have learned, and the resilience we continue to grow in our walks of life. Selflessness, it is a virtue that is hard to come by today in our I generation, but it is possible. 
equating a selfless love. It becomes possible because it is very easy to focus on ourselves when we are waiting for something. It is very easy to center our energies on our desires, hoping that we would achieve that which our hearts desire. It is also very easy to spend so much of our time looking out after ourselves, pampering our dreams and visions because we are in need of something and we believe that the steps we are taking could lead us to what we want to achieve. These are not necessarily bad, no. But if it all remains an inward focus, then we begin to die slowly. In fact, depression can set in. Somehow, humans, we thrive when we extend a hand of help to someone else. We thrive when we have a sense of responsibility that allows us to give something of ourselves to others. We thrive when we spend time making someone else's life a bit better than we found them. We thrive in conversation, in sharing ideas, and trying to figure out together what this thing called life is all about. We want to thrive, not merely survive, and thriving sometimes calls for dire circumstances that may seem as an obstacle. Yet, the very challenging circumstances become the change we need that allows us to see the hidden opportunities that lie right in front of our faces. Selflessness is costly. It is not cheap to put others first. It's not easy. It sometimes looks disadvantageous to put others in the right context within our time, activities, and well-ordered plans. But it is not something we want to skip. But how do we gauge selflessness to begin with? The heart is the place, but who can read the heart? So will we take the heart here to mean our good motives, to choose to be a blessing to someone else and make a positive difference? It calls for taking risk, doing something from the point of conviction and being willing to bear the consequences. That is risk. Selflessness calls for embracing uncertainty, accepting the dangers of the unknown in order to discover the lessons we don't know. It calls for living in the unknown sometimes. This means treading in the dark, not out of blindness, but with a vision that sees beyond the darkness. Selflessness calls for going to places we do not know. Yes, it sounds like an adventure, but it could be a treasure hunt. <laughs> but the treasure is only dimmed so after the hunting, not before. Selflessness calls for learning aspects of cultures and peoples in ways that we have never imagined. We sometimes end up judging that which does not seem familiar to us, right? We give names to things we don't understand in our quest to put into context our dilemma. Does that sound familiar? In our quaiting, we meet people from all walks of life. How do we perceive the people we meet? How do we respond to the ideas they share? How do we engage in fruitful ways that are not self-defensive, but are open to scrutiny so that we can allow that bud of maturity to blossom? Selflessness also calls for continual moments of quiet reflection that we may know which way to go. Silence in this sense, is not an enemy. To the heart that wants to hear, silence is an echo that remains sweet even in the darkest hour. Selfless love in the season of quitting. She was born in Jacksonville, Florida, and was raised up in the knowledge of God. And according to one account, her family moved to the southern 
part of the United States after the Civil War. While still in her late teens, Lillian Trusher attended Bible College for one term and then worked at a faith orphanage in North Carolina in 1908 to 1910 after she failed, failed to get a reporting job that she wanted. After becoming engaged to marry Minister Tom Jordan, Trusher had a missionary zeal when an Indian missionary, a missionary from India, came to speak at her church. Deciding that her mission lay in Africa, she broke off the engagement 10 days before the wedding after her prospective husband failed to share her call. Trasha also taught at a second Bible school, pastored a church, and briefly traveled with an evangelist, but later returned to work again at the orphanage. In 1910, after meeting Pastor Brelsford of Egypt at a missionary conference, Trasha decided to defy her family's wishes and leave for Egypt. Inspired as well by opening a Bible to the book of Acts chapter 7 verse 34, which referred to Egypt, Lillian and her sister Jenny sailed to Africa with less than $100 in their pockets. Arriving in Asyut, Egypt, some 230 miles south of Cairo, she soon met a man who came to the mission house seeking someone to attend to a dying woman nearby. Lillian and an older woman named Sela went to see the dying woman and the woman died shortly after they arrived but left them her malnourished baby girl clinging to dear life. When they arrived, their Arabic translator told Miss Trasher that the old woman then holding the baby, that is the baby's grandmother, had planned to throw this little clinging baby into the great river Nile to die. At the thought of this, Lillian could not leave the baby whom she named Farida. Thus, she defied her then mission organization and began an orphanage. By the turn of 1918, her orphanage family had grown to 50 children and eight widows. When Trasha returned to the States briefly in 1980, 1919 sorry, and saw the financial and prayer support to be found in her then Christian community, Trasha joined the missionary-oriented movement. Upon, in reti upon returning to Egypt, she expanded her mission to include widows and the blind. Trasha Lillian worked 50 solid years among Egypt's orphans and other forgotten people from 1911 to 1961 without a furlough, without a break, including through the Nazi occupation of World War II. By the time she died in 1961, Lillian Trasha Orphanage had grown to some 1,200 children. Today, the institution still stands. Some of its graduates are making a positive difference in society. All because one woman, in her quitting for her reporting job, failed reporting job, decided to take up the work that lay nearest, the orphanage. And through that kind of surrender, the Lord opened for her a lifelong ministry that lasted 50 years. Quitting a selfless love. First, we need a heart that is willing to give. Second, we need a heart that is willing to go. And third, we need a heart that breathes constantly of gratitude. Give, go, be grateful. Giving, going, gratefulness. Let's talk about giving. Shall the lack of money be a deterrent to our giving as we wait? Never. 
Money is not the enabler for things to work out. It is the working heart that enables the money to leave our pockets so that it can do its work outside of our territories beyond ourselves. Money is a tool that we control. If we allow it to control us in our giving, we become slaves of its mastery. Giving must be done from the heart. We cannot read or design each other's motives, but we can surrender our hearts to God so that he can purify our motives in giving. Are we giving for show? Then we are selfish and our appraisal matters to us the most. Is our giving too slow? Then we miss out on opportunities that come and go, not only to give, but to develop our own characters. Is our giving based on who we know? Then our reward is here on earth, given to us by the very people we know, not by the God who longs to know us deeply and give us abundantly so that we can be his channels, his witnesses in the lives of others. Is our giving borrowed? I recently came across someone who gave out of what is borrowed for fear that if the person did not give, they would be judged wrongly by others. Is it worth it to give from what we borrow because we are afraid of what others will think of us? Isn't it our lot as humans to lack certain things at certain seasons in our lives and that in those seasons we would be authentic to ourselves to accept that we don't have what we need and that having it may return in the near future? When we give from what we borrow, we become slaves of the lender because we need to pay back what we owe. Is our giving bored? In other words, we give grudgingly. Then our hearts are yet to be purified. There is room for change. There is room, plenty of room for change. Is our giving loud so that others can know it's not worth it? Let our giving be for the glory of God and the advancement of his work in the lives of others. Let it be known to God that we desire purity of motive and not public display of monies. What are we giving? Is it just money? No. We have time, time apportioned to each one of us in the very same way. How we use it matters a lot. In our quitting, we have the opportunity to give of our time to causes that bring relief and refreshment to fellow human beings. But how often time seems limited, not because it is, but because we limit it. What do you think? We aim for big things while neglecting the small ones. I think about it often that the hour is made of various components of seconds turned into minutes and minutes to hours and hours to weeks and weeks to days and days to months and months to years. So, neglecting to give the smallest portion of time I have in order to grow a cause or listen to someone in need of help is neglecting a big portion of my life. Quitting calls for giving of our time to the things that matter and not in big chunks at once necessarily but in those little moments that amount to something worthwhile in the long run. We also give not only money and time, but our talents. We're all gifted in one way or another, and we can give from what is already within us. Among other avenues, I usually choose to give of my gifts through writing, hoping that someone will be edified, inspired, sparked to begin afresh, jolted to reality and encouraged to brave it on despite the difficulties. I also like to give through the gift of music. Not too long ago, Joy and I played our musical instruments on a street here in Copenhagen. It was for free. We were not looking for any coins to be given us, as is usual on street performances, which is a good thing for those who choose that. But I remember vividly a lady crossing the street from her bakery and bringing us warm bread. 
We gave of our music and it inspired her to give of her bread. Giving evokes giving. But you don't know my circumstances and the poverty I have faced all my life. I hear someone saying so. I wish to say that like Trasher, it is not where you or I were born that matters, but what we are bathing right now, where we are right now. Maybe you give of your gifts of knitting to newborn babies whose parents cannot afford warm clothing. Give. Trasher failed to get a reporting job that she really wanted. And in this failure, her life was led to her mission, serving the needs of the vulnerable children. Can our momentary failures be turned to a lifetime of success and a calling? It's possible that you lost your job. Maybe that door has seemed closed. Maybe the beginning of a greater door is opening for you. One where you will look back in wonder and say, I'm so glad I lost that job when I did because now I have found my calling when I need it most. Maybe you give by offering tuition to children during school holidays. Give. Maybe you give by going on a mission trip to build homes for people affected by hurricanes and floods. Give. Giving goes beyond money and time to talents and finally to our body temple. When we give someone our ears, listening to their stories and giving hope, we're giving of our organisms, our bodies. When we look at someone with eyes of encouragement, daring them to charge on to their aspirations despite the difficulties, we're giving of our presence. There are times when this giving will have varied outcomes for different people at different times. Trasha chose to break off her engagement when she realized that her prospective husband failed to share her call. Now, it is important that we find divine discernment in responding to people who fail to share our call, yet wish to share our lives. I leave to each of us to seek this discernment should we find ourselves in situations like this. But we do well to remember that our selfless exposure to the true freedom Christ gives to us will not be comprehended by everyone, and that is all right. In our quaiting, we do well not to give for show, not to be slow in our giving, not to give only to those we know, or give from what is borrowed, or give because we are bored, but give from the heart of our time, our talents, our treasures, and our body temple. Secondly, we said we will go. Going where? <laughs> Out of our comfort zone. It literally means leaving our homes and going to places that we're afraid to venture into. God will orchestrate your going if you're passionate about fulfilling his will for you. For Trasher, it was an Egyptian missionary and the reading of the word in Acts chapter 7 verse 34 that confirmed her call. Money was not a deterrent to her. She had $100 in her pocket and she left. Soon after, Trasha found herself caring for a malnourished baby girl whose mother had just died and whose grandmother had planned to throw into the great river Nile. It was treasure as God's messenger to rescue this little girl at that moment. And these little ones moved from one to over 1,200 plus widows and the blind. And so her 50 years of life well lived selflessness. There are unexpected circumstances in our lives not worth throwing away, but worth allowing to thrive because despite the sudden discomfort they bring, they turn out to be the long-term calling that gives us our unique song to sing. Do you believe that? When we know who is bidding us go, we go even without the details. Selfless love does it. Going 
Is it your job that still tags you with uncertainty as to whether you will perform? Is it a new baby whose future you are concerned about because of the kind of agreement you have with the baby's dad? Is it a new business in the midst of the unknown? And you wonder what will happen because the doors seem to be closing. And where the food will come from? What's going to be on your table? Go. I remember taking my flight from home to country X where the persecution of Christians was like the sunrise every day. I remember being seated quietly in a six-seater helicopter, venturing into the unknown, risking my life literally. I remember seeing my mom and tears in her eyes, urging me to stay because I probably would not come back alive. I remember hiding my Bible in my suitcase and asking the Lord to blind the eyes of the security at the airport of arrival because the discovery of it would endanger my life. Did I have to go? No. Could someone else do the work I was going to do? I am certain there were many people who could do excellently on the same. But when you know there's still small voice that is telling you to go into the unknown, you do not want to still that voice with inaction. You want to be still and certain that he has spoken, then rise up and leave. Leave the tears behind and go. Leave the worries behind and go. Leave the known and board the unknown, trusting in an adventure whose scenes can only be carved by the one who flies you. And he flies you not only in the skies from one place to another, but grants you, grants me the wings of faith, so that when walking on the grounds of your landing become hard, you will not despair. Because you know who gave you wings in the first place, and you can look up to him for help. He has set us an example. The word tells us that he left the glories of heaven and came down to our mess, Philippians 2. Go, Trasha left and she did not lose. Selfless love calls for this kind of adventure. Go. And lastly, gratitude. A heart full of thanksgiving evokes song. Song brings joy. Joy perforates, permeates, and brings a party to the souls within its reach. Gratitude. In our quaiting, this attribute remains high. It is easy to complain about things not going right. That's true. It's easy to not see the things going right because our eyes are used to squinting to find what is wrong. Our vision gets blurry and the bright lights of progress become harsh and painful to our eyes because we're only seeing problems, quitting with a heart of gratitude. What a joy, what a wonder, what bliss. Today, let us find time to get practical about gratitude. Take out a piece of paper and write down the things you're grateful for. We have done this for years and now it's always a joy when Joe opens his box and shares it with me. And I open my joy box and I share it with him. Try it. You will soon realize that your paper is too small and your ink droplets too few. Gratitude expands. It has no boundaries. From the smallest to the largest things, we can always give thanks. Selfless love, in quitting, calls for gratitude, which includes rejoicing with those who rejoice. Give, go, gratitude. A mundane life is selfish. A life of mastery is selfless. It gives, it goes, and is full of gratitude. Until next Wednesday, goodbye.